the average age that people are, are introduced to the idea of pornography is like 11 to 12. How could we maybe provide some preventative methods by which that doesn't affect us, our kids, our nephews, nieces, you know, people around us? How do we prevent that? It's conversations and it's dialogue. Um, the way I made a mistake in the past is to think that I just have to have their talk. And then when we have the talk, that's it. We need to start to view porn as evil. And if you never get to a spot where you see it as evil, then you're never really gonna um, do anything about it. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Christian Conversations, a GCF podcast, a podcast where we have youthful conversations in a biblically sound way. I'm your host, Richard Ogajawa, and beside me is my co-host, Pastor Roz of GCF Church. And today, we'll be having a conversation which is pretty much an extension of what we talked about last week, um, and the topic is pornography. We simply seek to answer a few more questions that we didn't get to uh, touch on last week, um, such as how how would you recommend the church address it because obviously this is something that happens not just in the secular world but also in the church as well how would how does one address the matter of, of pornography in the church beyond just saying it's a bad thing the easy answer to that one is we need to talk about it uh, pornography is uh, a sin issue that thrives in privacy and when nobody ever speaks about it, uh, it grows and people are addicted to it, but nobody ever speaks about it. So one thing that the church can do is to just facilitate conversations. Let's hear it from the pulpit. Let's hear it in our small groups. Uh, let's hear it in men's groups, women's groups. Uh, let's talk about it on podcasts. So that's the secret right there. Would you also recommend any preventative steps that we can take in terms of how do we how do we prevent young because thing is it happens to, like typically speaking the the average age that people are, are introduced to the idea of, of pornography is like 11 to 12. it's a pretty young age but like how would how would we how could we attack not, not attack but how could we maybe provide some preventative methods by which that doesn't affect us our kids our nephews nieces you know people around us how do we prevent that uh, the first thing is we have to be vigilant. Um, a couple of decades ago, uh, the sort of uh, sex talks, or is it the bees and something? Is it the birds and the bees? The birds and the bees. Yeah, birds and the bees. You, you, you had to wait until people were uh, teenagers, uh, and hopefully you would hope that the science teacher would talk about these issues. But now we're living at a point where a 12-year-old could be exposed to these things. So we shouldn't be naive um, so parents should put safeguards uh, to help out something like if you can put software on your smart devices uh, make sure that your computers are in open spaces don't have your kids in private bedrooms with smartphones where they can get access to all these things so there are all these kind of pre preventative things that you can do but i think the most important things we need to have discussions and even as young as you know 11 year olds we need to start talking to them about these things actually like you mentioned you mentioned having some some conversations about it but you also mentioned you know things like you know having the computer in a public space and um 
maybe not not leaving them alone to their own devices for so long. But then the question becomes like, how much how much of a helicopter parent should we be, and where should the line be drawn in terms of us being in their in their face about you know being safe and whatnot? Yeah, we we don't want to be helicopter parents. That's where you you want to get to a point where you can talk about these things and educate your children on these things. Uh, but before you get to that point, uh, like I was saying, you you still have to put some things in place. It's the same way that we would say to our young people, you can't drink before you're 18. That's not helicopter parenting. It's just being wise. So just know that if you're having your children spending hours in their bedrooms with these smart devices, uh, you are just, it's a recipe for disaster. Just see that smartphone as uh, porn on demand. It is what it is. Your children might not go out looking for it, but it will find them. And it's just two seconds away. So have these devices in public spaces. Actually, it's, it's, it's interesting that you said conversation because I know like when, <clears throat> whenever my parents found out that I was going through something similar, they, their, like their approach was to kind of pull me aside and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe some parents might be a bit more, what's the word now? They may not know how to approach that kind of situation with their with their kids, so they may just kind of um, be a bit more maybe hostile, be a bit more um, in your face about it. But for for me, it was just a very kind of open conversation, dialogue, a very loving situation, which actually kind of made me it made me it, it, it made me rethink my my choices. You know what I mean? Because um, like I think we forget that like kids are they're small human beings. Ultimately, they're not just like this. Um, they're not like a different form. Like they are, they are us just a bit younger. You know what I mean? So I feel like whenever we, um, we can, we should open up that dialogue and, and pretty much approach it how we would, want, how we would also want to be approached if we're, if we're also going through something ourselves. Like have that dialogue, not just kind of um, treat us in a, in a hostile or or, or lesser than um, manner because of it. And as well, even, and as well, we should it's conversations and it's dialogue um the way i made a mistake in the past is to think that i just have to have their talk and then when we have the talk that's it this is actually an ongoing dialogue where you should kind of check in with your children check in with your mates whoever is struggling with this uh, and make it just a, a a usual occurrence where if you bump into your friend you can say you know how are you doing with that subject and so don't shy away from it and don't think that people are extraterrestrials if they're struggling with this. This is normal life. And the stats tell, tell us that a lot of people are struggling with it. And if you are struggling with it, how would you recommend that we as Christian, like Christian brothers and sisters, how, how are we to navigate that situation? How do we support them? How do we... Um, yeah, just help them, help them through that that um, situation they're in currently. Uh, so I've got uh, an alliteration for you here. So you know, uh, you know, triple A batteries. So I'm going to give you quadruple batteries. So just think of uh, four A's, uh, and this goes for uh, amoral accessibility, anonymity, and affordability. Uh, so the first one, amoral. Uh, what am I talking about there? Is when people think of porn, uh, they think it is amoral, as in it's not about right or wrong. It is neutral. 
And because that's their starting point, um, they never make inroads uh, into actually dealing with the issue. If you think that there's ultimately nothing wrong, and if you enjoy the pleasures of porn, uh, even though there is shame and guilt, you keep coming back to it again and again. And the Bible tells us that um, we should hate what is evil and love what is good. And we need to start to view porn as evil. And if you never get to a spot where you see it as evil, then you're never really going to um, do anything about it. So I'm sure maybe at another podcast we can get into the evilness of porn, even the industry itself, and even people who have wor worked as porn stars and porn celebrities would themselves tell you of the evilness of porn. So you just need to get to to that space where you see it as evil. And then um, any questions on that before I move to the next A? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, it's it's funny you mentioned that because there was a I was on Netflix about to watch a series and the recommended show that they were showing me before I actually went to before I actually got to the series was um, a documentary on the behind the scenes of porn like like the porn stars like the actual like real life like how it is and how people are actually like protesting against it because it's so bad and so negative yes. so I, th I think actually it's um I think people just see the they only see what is on the screen which is you know those those videos online but like behind the camera, behind those videos, there are real people that are struggling. You know, the, the drug, drug addicts. You know, people who maybe have had like like daddy issues and insecurities that maybe led them to kind of have the have a tendency towards um maybe led them to certain life decisions that they may regret down the line. Just there's different reasons why people may 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 be in that, and it's not always what we think it is and i think it is important to have, to have that conversation and pretty much just um open up the the pandora's box of what porn, of what porn actually is essentially um but yeah and i never felt attractive or worthy of male attention and suddenly my first year of college i start losing all this weight from making small changes and mm. by the time I graduated men and I was never used to it and I felt like unless I held on to it and kind of did what was asked of me or what was expected of me it would go away and after feeling what it was like that validation and you know the compliments for the first time I did not want that to go away yeah so we definitely need to educate ourselves on um what goes on with the porn industry uh, and that you watching it actually perpetuates that. So I would just say, get to a spot where you really do hate porn and you want reformation and you don't want to do that. And the second A is I'll take those together. So, you know, porn is, you know, accessible. This is one of the issues, right? We talked about this in the last podcast of uh, back in the days, uh, you know, it was hard to get the Playboy. But now, because of our smartphones, we have it all the time. And the other one, it's, you know, anonymous, anonymous, I can't even say that. <laughs> Basically, in, in, in a, in a, it's private. Yeah. Porn promises us privacy. Uh, but then I, I just want to come and say with that is to break that cycle, you need to talk. You need to confess. You know, the Bible talks about confession. And we also say confession is good for the soul. And there are two, th two people you need to be conversing to, right? You need to be confessing to God 
and you need to be confessing to others. So in the first instance, um, rather than having so much access to, to porn, uh, why don't you have access to God? Why don't you pray to God? And uh, for instance, when you go to Psalm 32, it talks about when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. And if people were struggling with porn, if you've ever struggled with porn, you know that each silence just kills you. And you just feel that um, you're afraid to being found out and you've got this shame and guilt and you're keeping silent just kills you. So you need to confess this to God. And then not only to God, you need to confess this to others because remember, porn thrives in privacy. So you need to find trusted friends and confess to them. Um.